0: SAFM Sports Rap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. I'm Brad Brown. Thank you for joining me this evening and thanks to Anastasia as well. Uh, They are back on your radio tomorrow at 6. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll be chatting to the convener of selectors for the protest, Linda Zondi. We'll also chat uh, athletics with the editor of Runners World in South Africa about the selection, team selection for the upcoming IAAF World Championships taking place in London. But looking at some of the stories making news headlines uh, right now, uh, there is uh, some big swimming taking place in Budapest. And uh, it is the IAAF, uh, not the IAAF, the FINA. Uh, World Championships just a short while ago. Cameron Funneberg swimming or finishing second in the 50 meter men's breaststroke Uh, semi final. He is through to the final Uh, earlier on today as well. I can tell you that uh, Chad Leclos also made it through to uh, the semi finals. He finished third in his heat of the 200 meter butterfly. In other football news, uh, we've been talking about it quite a bit here on SAFM over the last couple of weeks. But the good news is that uh, Rivaldo Coutinho is no longer a wall. He returned to IX Cape Town today. Uh, he's made an apology and he is training with the reserve side uh, as IX are on camp in Kauteng at the moment ahead of the start of the season. Looking at at some other transfer news when it comes to football, Kaiser Chiefs confirming that they've uh, signed Argentine forward Jonathan Philippe. He's undergoing medicals and assessments. uh, uh, They've confirmed they are challenging to him. Undergoing medicals and assessments at Naturina. Orlando Pirates announcing they've reached agreement with Bloom Celtic over the transfer of midfielder Moussa N'Yatama. Orlando Pirates midfielder Leclonolo Masilela has joined Platinum Stars. Uh, from his Greek club On a three year deal Coming up next here on SAFM We're going to chat some cycling SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, the Tour de France wrapped up uh, in Paris on Sunday. Another glittering affair and another victory for Team Sky's Christopher Froome. Uh, wonderful, wonderful victory for the Kenyan-born British rider. We're joined now by York Ludovic, uh, former Tour de France rider. Finished three of uh, the Tour de France, uh, ridden a number of Grand Tours uh, along with that as well. York, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Thanks for, for your time. Another victory for, uh, for Chris Froome. He seems to uh, be dominating world cycling at the moment. Can anybody beat him?
1: Ah, Hi, welcome from Germany. Um, yeah, well, that's a good question. It has been never that close, I guess. And uh, as far as I remember, he never didn't win a stage by winning the overall class- classification. So in the end, it seems at least, it seems a little bit closer, coming closer. The uh, good thing is, even if he... Has not too many cycling fans of Froome of himself inside France. He's a very good guy. He's a he's a very friendly guy. I got the chance to get to know him a little bit personally last uh, two years ago. Sorry, and from my point of view, he's uh, by far more um, uh, friendly and cool, and he seems just to be super focused. And that's where a little bit of his excess. For sure comes from but in the end he's a good guy and it has been a close a very close race this year it was awesome to watch it and i guess with all these crashes we had unfortunately the big enemies crashed out very early John Isagire from behind Nerida and as well uh, quintana who has been not in the shape of the former like
0: we go back to Uran or Roman Bade or even We seem to have just lost uh, Jörg there, unfortunately. We'll try and get him back on the line. But I, I did want to ask him uh, about the South African performance. I think it was a fantastic Tour de France uh, for the South African as, as a whole. Daryl Impey and a couple of breakaways uh, from Team Orica Scott. Uh, but in the end, it was a fantastic performance from uh, Louis Menkes. Who, uh, is uh, born and bred South African, finishing in the top 10, finishing second in the Young Rider classification. Uh, fantastic performance uh, by the young South African. And uh, also, uh, I think uh, special mention needs to go out to Team Dimension Data for Quebec. Uh, another great performance uh, from that South African team. Edvold Bosenhagen winning the stage uh, on the final Friday. Uh, a fantastic breakaway from uh, Edvold Bosenhagen to, to win that stage. And uh, fantastic. To, to to see him, uh, the celebrations for Team Dimension Data as well uh, it seems that we have york back on york unfortunately we did, did lose you from a South African perspective uh, a wonderful, wonderful tour uh, for all involved, Darryl Olympia another great uh, solid tour for him, Dimension Data as a team did well, but uh, Louis Mankey's special mention needs to go to him second in the Young Rider classification
1: Yeah, exactly, he finished uh, in the first 10 in the
0: DC and he
1: seems to be one of the future rockets of uh, the South African riders. And yeah, for sure, the ancient data finally did it. Wassenhagen unbeatable in this stage, which he won. Unfortunately, uh, Stephen Cummings this year hasn't been in the shape. He has been the former years, but in the end, all came good. And I guess South Africa can look forward to the next Tour de France, Dimension Data will move on with his successful story and Luis Meintius for sure somebody to watch out for the next edition.
0: Jörg, in your opinion, do you think he in the future could be a contender for GC, GC title at the Tour de France?
1: I guess so, yes. Because um, it will always be a very tough race, a very hard and really a race. So if he can a little bit improve his turn trial capacity, he will for sure be able to 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 move up to maybe finish on the podium in the future. He's still young. He's still a and uh, has always been a very motivated guy, a friendly, a good guy, and yeah, you can be proud of him and you can really look into the future with a lot of happiness because Louis, sure, will once again do very well in the Tour de France.
0: Absolutely. Unfortunately, not the best of lines this evening. Your Ludovig, thank you so much uh, for your time here on SAFM once again. I know you've been chatting to uh, the guys on SAFM Sports Special throughout the weekends uh, and giving your feedback. But yeah, wonderful Tour de France once again. One of my favourite sporting events on the calendar. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's on the bucket list. Got to go and follow one around. Coming up next here on SAFM Sport Trip, we're going to chat to the convener of selectors for the Proteus, Linda Zondi.
1: SAFM Sports Wrap.
0: You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and uh, story broke late yesterday uh, about JP Dooney returning home before the start of the third test, which gets underway at uh, the Oval this coming Thursday. Obviously dropped uh, from the second or for the second test from the Proteus starting 11. We're joined now by the convener of selectors uh, for the Proteus, Linda Zondi. Linda, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap once again. Thanks, uh, thanks for your time.
2: Thanks, Brad, and your listeners.
0: Linda, what's going on? Uh, JP Dumini leaving uh, the tour, it's ominous size. doesn't look good for the, for, for for Dumini.
2: You know what? It, it, it's good for any player. Um, to answer to sort of from, from our point of view to say this is what we're thinking from the selection point of view. So at the moment, our feeling as a select uh, selectors is that we, we left JP out or we have dropped JP and we feel that probably um, they, they are, we do have other options that are currently in the squad.
0: Obviously there's a youngster who's knocking on the door, he's he's played fantastically well over the last uh, couple of seasons, Aidan Markham, he's proved himself at uh, junior international level and and he's he's there waiting in the wings, Uh, is he going to get a look in this weekend? You know
2: what, I I cannot predict at the moment (laughs) if he's going to be looked at. I think one thing that I've done as a convener or as as a new selection panel was trying to be consistent in terms of the selection. I think at the moment, as you're aware, that JP, we've always kept JP on the side, even though there were times where um, there were pressure from all corners in terms of dropping JP. We felt that we, we needed his experience, and also he just gave us a combination and centre, combination in middle order. So we felt that at the moment when, when he hasn't performed as we expected him to do so, uh, we do have um, a middle order backup when he's um, finished to break. So we felt that because we've got a backup and middle order, um, and also we've got a Markham who is a backup from the opening point of view, Without the need, that we, it's impossible for us to keep the 16-man the squad, so hence we've dropped JP as well.
0: Linda, it's tough as a selector. I've never done it, but I can imagine, I can imagine how difficult it is uh, with uh, however many million cricket fans there are in South Africa. Everyone believes that uh, their starting 11 should start, and, and we always find players that go through slumps of form, and, and there's, there's no two ways about it. JP has been struggling. But as a, as, a, as a selection panel, how difficult is it to get that balance right, to, to, to put your faith in someone and back them for, for a period of time to give them an opportunity? And when do you need to draw a line in the sand? I mean, that, that's probably the, the most difficult job that you have.
2: Absolutely. It's, you know, for, for, from our side, nothing gets too excited when, when there's pressure coming from either side. Um, as long as we still focus in our plans and our strategy, what we're trying to do in terms of the process structure, I think we need to, to take cognizance in terms of what our plans are. Oh, yes yes we do get pressure because you know we'll never select the, the best team. Everyone will have his own point of his own starting level. So I think for us it's just to focus on our plans and make sure that we we, we stick to that. JP for for a long time he's always um performed in that point, in that middle order, but he wasn't consistent. So we kept with him because he also gave us that that bowling and um, spinning front kind of um, an option. So we felt that let's give him time, let's back him, of which we did. So, and we felt that at this time, we do have options available to us and these guys here, and I think they've done well, both of them, um, Tennis to Brain and Makram. You remember, if you recall, um, Makram, we've, we've kept him in the squad as a backup of Faf. So when Faf came back and JP was in the third, we felt that probably when JP was, was left out, and then, as I said before, we've got an option up front and we've got option in the middle order. Then, there's no need for us, you know, to to keep JP, so that's why we've released him. You know, JP has done well for us, but it's important for us to be also to be to be consistent in terms of the players that we bring in the in, in the squad and the players also that we let go.
0: JP's future in, in South African cricket—does he still have a future? What's been what's been said to him, and and what's the plans from a from a selection panel point of view?
2: No, he does. He does have a plan. That's why we've we've signed him. He's a contracted player. Um, we've never contracted him for one format of the game. We've contracted him for all formats of the game. And our role is to make sure that um, we select the players based on the test point of view, and that's what we're looking at at the moment. And that I don't think um, our role is to select the best eleven. And what happens in 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 the players' uh, future, you know, we cannot predict what the players gonna they're gonna do in terms of retiring or not in terms of their future. For us, is JP is still part of our plans. Hence, we've given him a contract, which will last next year, um, April. So he's definitely in our plans. Anything over and above, you know, it's up to the, the players to decide um, whatever they feel like. But for us, is we still feel JP can add value in our in our in our squad. Um, then if, if he need if needs be, he need to go back and prove himself and make runs in our structures below, and then come up, and then he'll be definitely in the in the setup.
0: Linda, looking at the tour as it stands now, I know you're not uh, involved in, in the scheduling of, of tour matches outside of, of the, the, the sort of tests and one-dayers and, and T20s, but do you think there's been a bit of an oversight in, in not organising a, a sort of tour match between these two tests, the one at Trent Bridge and the one at the Oval, particularly for a player, and, and let's say someone like JP, who, who was out of form, he got dropped for the second test, he, the only way he's going to get back in form is by playing some cricket and there was not an opportunity for him, and someone like Kijisa Rabada, who obviously missed on on that second test, due to disciplinary reasons uh, from the first test. He hasn't played cricket for, for two weeks. Uh, is that not a risk going into this third test?
2: You know, at end of the day, we, we, uh, like you said, um, rightly so, it is not in our, in our selection point of view to, to decide where the matches are played or rescheduled. So for us, it's to make sure we continue selecting the team that is best for the condition and the opponents that you play at At the moment, those are two different cases. Kajiso's been left out due to other reasons that everyone is aware of, and JP is purely form. So if then, for him to make sure that he comes back, he needs to go back to to the the team that are below, and then he proves himself, and then he makes himself available for selection. And for right? just because he didn't play in the second test. He, still, he was still training with the team, training with the, the coaching staff that were available uh, for him to make sure that he stays on top of his game every time when he comes on the field to bring his A game. So for us, we, 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 are, we, are, we are very um, um, happy and, and also hoping that when he comes back, he's going to definitely come back with the, with the ball because I think with the structure that we have and the combination of the team that you've selected, he's definitely going to exit
0: Linda, as a, as a convenience on, on let's talk the whole tour, the, 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 the one-day series heading into the IC Champions Trophy, the Champions Trophy, the T20s, which, uh, I mean, the shorter format of the game, I think any South African cricket fan will, will tell you, they, they're very disappointed with the way things uh, sort of uh, played out in England. The, the test series got off to a shaky start, we fought back well in that second test, are you satisfied overall, do you think uh, there, there are issues, or, or is it a case of, you know what, it's, sometimes you, you're up, sometimes you're down, we've just got to ride those waves?
2: No, I'm not satisfied at all, to be honest with you. Um, I think one thing I've learned throughout my career career and now as an as administrator is that this thing comes in cycle, but um, uh, the cycle of the, of, the, of the winning combination, it becomes a habit. But at the, at the point of where we are as a South African, is that when you go to this big competition, you tend to bail out early um, due to pressure or whatever other reasons. We still have to sit when the guys come back in terms of having a debrief. But... Um, in, in terms of the performance and the inconsistency of, this, of the guys, especially, as you rightly saw, so especially big competitions, it is a concern. Um, the manner that the guys played in the third test also was a concern. I think the, the guys bounced back nicely in the second test. We're just hoping that the guys will also play well in the third test so that we can at least win the series in, um, in, in England. So for us, it's just a continuous striving to select the best team and also hoping that the guys will will beef up their performance and we win. Because at the end of the day, we need to make sure that we, 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 we become number one in the test series. And hopefully one day, because now our, our focus should be in the 2019, we need to make sure that we, we, we correct the mistakes and the, the errors that we have done for the past so many years since we've gone to the ICC competition. There is a challenge. There is a problem. It needs to be fixed. We do have players that we have in our system, we need to make sure that we continue identifying quality players that will always be A-game in big stages. I think that's what you need to do.
0: Linda, just to wrap up, do you think there's a commitment issue by some of the senior players? And I'm going to use A.B. de Villiers as an example, uh, not, ma- not making himself available for certain tours, only playing certain matches. Do you think that sets a precedent to the younger players coming through? Just from, from somebody on the outside watching, uh, it, it, it's it, it's concerning. Surely playing for your country is more important than playing in the Big Bash or the IPL.
2: Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to take it away to commitment from any senior players. Um, also, I think from the AB's point of view, I think he's not in a position, or he hasn't said to us, you know, I'm going to be very selective in terms of which matches I play or not. Like I said to you, it's up to the, the players to decide when to retire or to continue um you know, at playing for the country, it is an honour to play for the country. I think when it comes to it, it was clear to us that he needed his time away. So that he, whatever decision he makes closer at the end of the season or end of the year comes in the, and in Australia, he would decide if he ever he feels that he wants to continue or retire from cricket. I think for us, it was we, um, for me, it's a convenient, comfortable because it's not saying I'm available this game, I'm not available that game. But when there's enough time, That's an opportunity to play. There should be protiers. There will always be protiers after AB Villiers. There were protiers after Sean Pollock or Kepler-Vessels or Endor Gramsci and any of those players. So for us, if we've got time. We need to make sure that we groom our our, our young players. Otherwise, we would have seen from the Tennis DeBray. We would have seen um, um, Aiden Markham. So we do have a pool of players to look at. So it's a matter of, we need to make sure as a country, as we understand that some of these players, they've played over 100 as cricket. Yes um the, the, the issue of commitment, I feel is still there, but it's a matter of the timing. So some of them, they will retire from one format or the other. It's a matter of yeah. time to continue and playing all for this. Which is mm-hmm. it, and then try to go forward.
0: Unfortunately, the line not great there towards the end. But Linda Zondi, we got the gist of it. Thank you so much for your time this evening. And uh, fingers crossed, let's hope we can make it uh, 2-1 uh, at the end of this Thanks. weekend at the Oval. Looking forward to, to this upcoming test match. Thanks for your time this evening. Let's all cross our fingers. Thank you.
3: The SABC has signed a Code of Conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the Code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that's fair, and programming that is not harmful, does not amount to hate speech or violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that Code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the BCCSA. P.O. Box 412365 Craig Hall 2024 That's the BCCSA, P.O. Box 412365 365 craighall 2024 Send a fax to 11 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za For more information, please visit bccsa.co.za. You're tuned to SAFM 104 to 107. You can also
4: catch us on the DSTV audio bouquet on channel 814 as well as online at safm.co.za.
0: You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. This is South Africa's news and information leader and you would have heard on SAFM Sport Trap last night there's been a bit of controversy about the selection around the South African team heading off to London for the I W F World Championships taking place next month. Uh, some athletes being selected, others not. Uh, lots of questions have been asked uh, as to what that uh, selection criteria was. We've invited Athletics South Africa uh, onto the show this evening. They declined our interview request. Uh, I still think it's important to to talk about, and uh, if I have to be honest, bitterly disappointed they've declined our interview request because uh, I think they do have some questions to answer. We join now by the editor of Runners World magazine here in South Africa, Mike Finch. Mike, welcome on to SAFM Sports Trap this evening. Thank you to you for, for making yourself available. It's good to have you on. No
3: problem.
0: Mike, disappointing if you look at uh, and a lot of the athletes coming out and, and having a bit of a go at Athletic South Africa about the selection criteria, and there's a bit of confusion about the two levels, uh, the IAA standard and the Athletic South Africa standard, to qualify for the world champs. Can you can you put some clarity onto those two uh, qualifying standards for us?
4: Well, it, 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 there's a little bit of history involved in the way that Athletic South Africa have selected teams traditionally for major events like the World Championships and the Olympics, and... Uh, over the years, Athletics of Africa have often said that they want to select um, athletes that can compete for either finals or medals. Um, so they don't want to take people there to events that are just going to be making up the numbers. And I think that's largely what their justification is now. So the, the IWF levels and, and criteria are often lower than the Athletics of Africa standards. So there's Athletics um, South Africa are saying that they want the standards to be higher enough. They then look at the world list and they say, right, if you're going to be competitive and making a final, you need to reach a certain time. The IDWF standard is a lot lower because they want participation. At But Africa's attitude is they want people to be there to get medals and represent the country proudly rather than just making up the numbers. That's pretty much in a nutshell what the controversy is about.
0: Which, which is fair enough, so if you've then qualified by Athletic South Africa standards, you are good to go, but then they have selected some athletes uh, out of, uh, or in that, that bracket from the IWS standard to the ASA standard, they, they've they've selected some athletes who've reached that standard and others not.
4: Yes, I think that that's where the subjectivity comes into it, so the selectors will say, right, there's a couple of athletes that might not have made this high ASA standard, but potentially they could do well some down in the future. So they're younger athletes or they have the potential to do well. And then for the same, on the same uh, breath, there might be other athletes. Uh, I think of Dominique Scott, for instance, who was in the Olympic Games last year. She made the final of the 10,000 metres. She's bitterly disappointed not to make the team for the world championships. But realistically, she's, no, she's got absolutely no hope of even making the top ten in the final. She was second last in Rio, and she's a great athlete. But is she competitive at the 10,000 metres? Probably not. And, uh, that, that really is the crux of it. And, and I do, to some extent, find it surprising that Alexa Africa are not willing to come onto the show because I think their justification largely is justified. Um, I think they have a, a good point. I don't think they're communicating it particularly well. That's
0: the problem. But but in saying that, Mike, uh, I'm glad you you used uh, Dominique as an example. There's a couple of marathon runners uh, that are, are heading over, and, and I'm huge fans. Don't get me wrong. I, I love athletics in the in, in in this country, but they also don't have a chance of, of coming close to to a top ten if, if we have to be brutally honest. And I've spoken to one of them on the show, and they said, you know what? I'm just going to I, the reason I'm chuffed that I've made the team, and I'm glad I'm going. There, there's no there's no ambitions of doing well we just want to go and race at the World Champs. Surely, surely yeah. that's not right. Yeah, I,
4: I think that's where things are slightly. Where the, the sense of it all and the logic behind athletics South Africa um, is a bit lacking. And, and I, I know, particularly the athletes that you're talking about, I, I agree. You know, I'm not, I've got no chance of making a marathon. But in some respects, there is there is some reward for performance and maybe some longevity. And I think when it comes to selection, people think that athletics and selecting a team for the World Championships is, you know, if you make that standard, you go. Um, you look at the American system, they literally have their championships every year. If you make the top three, you go. doesn't matter what you do throughout the year, if you make the top three, you go. So they're much, much stricter. Whereas I think South Africa is in a unique position in that there are so many factors involved in choosing individuals rather than just based on performance that sometimes those factors don't necessarily make all of the match sense, but maybe to some extent they are rewarding athletes that have been around for a while, they're looking at younger athletes who might get experience, and they're also making sure that the athletes that can perform are always available to go. And I I think that's the the difficulty. But I think that's the biggest problem in all of this, is that they're just not communicating it particularly well. If If they'd actually explain why they've chosen individual athletes, I think people would understand it better. At the moment, they're not
0: doing that. Yeah, and Mike, another another interesting question on this is, and I understand you saying that it's, it's subjective, but surely it shouldn't be. Surely there should be a qualifying standard that you say to an athlete in the build-up, whether it's to a World Championships or to Olympic Games, they don't come along every single month. These athletes dedicate their lives to doing this, and they, they are hopeful, and they, they're actually at the whim of someone making a decision whether they go or not, and that can't be fair hmm. to the athletes. Yes,
4: I think the one sort of hole in the story to some extent is that the athletes only know with, with two weeks to go. So they spend you know a year of their lives, two years of their lives, their whole lifetime building towards making the World Championship, the Olympic Games, and two weeks before the event they're told and they're not able to go. I think they can do that much better. I think they should be selecting athletes long before the, the final process of selecting so that they know that they're going, they know how to prepare, and as an ongoing can then focus on new things. Um, but I, I, agree that the, the process of it has been, you know, talked about ad nauseum by journalists working on athletics for years and years. The selection process of the League of South Africa has always been flawed. Um, and, you know, every year there's always some drama around the team. And, and, and it is because athletes, as you say, they spend years and years training. Somebody like Dominique Don, Dominique Scott, you know, is obviously somebody who has trained for years to make the world championships. She expected to be in the team. She wasn't. And now what? Now what does she do? She deserves to perhaps have known a bit earlier that she wasn't going to be in the team.
0: And an interesting one, let's use her as an example again. She, she made the South African Olympic team, raced at the Olympics, and she's getting better. She's not getting slower. Surely, if you make an Olympic team and you're getting better in the interim, you should make a world, a world championship team. It just, to me, does not make sense.
4: That's true, but then if you look at the people that she would have to beat to get even into the top 10 of the 10,000 meters of the world championships, uh, as much as I like Dom she's a fantastic runner and she does extremely well in the States and she will probably be an exceptionally good uh, marathon runner and a hot marathon runner in her career but to be able to compete with the Kenyans and Ethiopians and at 10,000 metres and make even the top 10 I I really don't believe that she's the kind of athlete that can do that and in her case I I think her not being included and she's going to hate me for saying this but I probably think that her exclusion is probably justified to some extent
0: Looking at sort of Obviously, blooding young athletes and and, and having youngsters watching championships like these on television and, and dreaming one day of making it. Even though everyone can't win, is it not important to have people who are finishing in the top 10 or the top 20 from South Africa so they can see our flag? Even though they're not winning a medal, it it makes them believe that, you know what, if I work hard, I can get there. And hopefully that pushes Mm. even further because the only way we're going to get stars like the Wait for Newcastle, the Custis Semenyas, Mm. the Akani Sambinis, is if people get the opportunity to go, particularly if they've done the work to get there.
4: Yes, and, and I think that's a, that's a fair argument. I, I think it's a balance between taking young potential talent that can get somewhere and, and, and make a difference. But we have seen in the past when they've chosen athletics teams sometimes, and Alex Kusana is on record in saying this, and in some ways in his defence of the team, is that you know whatever ASA do, they're always going to get criticised. So if they take a team of people that don't perform, they say, well, why are they taking all these people that are just there to make up the numbers? So they're in a no-win situation, and it's just to some extent, and I do sympathise with that. Um, But it is a balancing act, and I think that's why selectors are in a very difficult position because it isn't an exact science. I think anywhere else in the world where you have a huge pool of talent, like in the States and the the UK, you can choose based just on performance because there's a wealth of talent behind you. And so basically we don't necessarily have that, and I I think that we, first of all, don't have the funding. There there are accusations that the funding is lacking. That's why they're not taking teams. That hasn't been proven, um, yes or no. Um, but if that is the case, you need to take the best team and the guys that are potentially going to do well down on the line. And sometimes that just comes down to a subjective opinion of a bunch of selectors who,
0: not everybody's going to agree with. The withdrawal of Victor Hogan yesterday, the uh, discus thrower, uh, after he was included in the team, that team got sent to the IWF. The IWF then re- rejected him uh, because his his qualifying throws was was in a period when he was serving a, a drug ban. Surely that smacks of incompetence, Mike. <laughs>
4: Well, yes, I don't think ASA did themselves any favours with that one. Uh, that was an absolutely embarrassing situation for Athletics South Africa, and they, they should have realised that, that was going to be a problem. I, I don't think they realised that, you know, when he was in the competition period, um, he was essentially um, under a ban. So, you know, that, that doesn't uh, bode well for Athletics South Africa and their reputation, absolutely.
0: Mike Finch, editor of Runners World, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And uh, once again, I'd love to chat to Alex Casana. Uh, and I'll mention again, we did put in a request for an interview and they turned us down, saying they're not doing any media interviews. So uh, the office still stands uh, and we'd love to chat. So, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us this evening. Much appreciated. Uh, and uh, we look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, Brad.
1: SAFM Sports Rap.
0: And that's a wrap for this evening's show. Before I do go, though, just looking at uh, some of the stories uh, that have come through, uh, on the wires today Just one or two quick headlines uh, Looking at uh, the swimming uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier on That uh, Chandler Clove finished third And his heat his advanced to the semi-finals Of the 200 meter butterfly At those FINA World Championships Taking place in Budapest this evening uh, In athletics news reigning Long jump world champion Greg Rutherford of Great Britain Has withdrawn from the IAAF World Champs As he hasn't recovered from an ankle injury And Serbian media reporting That uh, num- world number four Novak Djokovic is doubtful uh, for the U.S. Open. He's still struggling with that elbow injury. And that's it from myself, Brad Brown. If you have any comments or suggestions, please do be in touch. Support at safm.co.za. You can also reach out via social media uh, at SAFM Radios, where you can find us or me personally, at BigBradBrown. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, thank you very much to my producer, Ben, and uh, technical producer, Phineas, this evening as well, for your help. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock tonight, it is the Talk Shop with Naledi Malayo Right now, though, it is 7 o'clock and time for your news.